0: Well, unless you read the book when it came out in 1986, can you believe it? We first met Forrest Gump when that movie came out 22 years ago on July 6, 1994. It's the tale of a good-natured but simple-minded man from Greenbow, Alabama, telling his life story to other people while waiting at a bus stop and sitting on a bench much like this one. The film starring uh, Tom Hanks and Robin Wright and Gary Sinise and Sally Fields depicts several decades in the life of Forrest Gump, who witnesses, and in some cases influences, some of the defining events of the latter half of the 20th century in the United States. He rises to his own measure of fame and fortune in the process, mostly by just being himself, Because he is so simple minded, he doesn't fully understand the significance of everything he has done, and he just sees himself as an average person living his life, but he is forever pining for his childhood sweetheart, Jennae, who is played by Robin Wright, who is almost as easy on the eyes as my wife. Just saying. Now, the film differs substantially from Winston Groom's novel, but it won six Academy Awards in 1995, including Best Picture and Best Actor for Tom Hanks. It was a fun and interesting movie, and like the other movies that we are looking at during this series, there are some life lessons scattered throughout the movie. The most famous words of wisdom Uh, We're already in our intro clip. They are, my mama always said, life was like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. And to prove the truth of that statement, today we're passing around boxes of chocolates. Go ahead while I'm talking, just pass them around. Now you can only take one and you never know what you're going to get. So if you're allergic to nuts, I'd probably pass them by. But life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. And I think the reason that that statement resonates is because it is so true. Life is full of the unexpected. Gump becomes a football star, a ping pong champion, a shrimp boat captain. Gump meets three presidents, rescues two friends in Vietnam, runs across the United States several times, and so much more. And all of it is unexpected. There are times when his life is full of pain, and there's other times when he experiences great joy and success and celebration. In short, Forrest Gump has a life a lot like yours and a lot like mine. He has a life just like us. You see, it's full of unexpected twists and turns. It was John Lennon who famously said, life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. Life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. And the film spends much of its time chronicling what Forrest does with all of the unexpected twists and turns in his life. And there are a few lessons that we can learn from him that will help us deal with the unexpected twists and turns in our lives. First, when we're dealing with the unexpected, Forrest Gump reminds us our choices matter. Our choices matter. Matter. One of the interesting contrasts in this movie is the fact that it compares two kids from the same area. Both Forrest and Jenny grew up in bad situations. Forrest had his learning disabilities, and he experiences a lot of bullying and a lot of rejection. And Jenny comes uh, comes from a bad home. She endures an abusive father And they both come from the same town in the same period of history, and they both endure bad situations, but they end up in very different places in life. You see, Forrest's journey takes him from his native Alabama to the jungles of Vietnam, from walking with corrective braces to uh, running across North America, from, under, from a misunderstood country boy to a college uh, football star to champion ping pong player to shrimp tycoon. And he does all of this without ever quite losing the underlying optimism of his era. On the other hand, Jenny's life takes her From being abused by her father to being abused by other men. She finds herself posing for Playboy, being a flower child of the 60s, a hippie protester of the 70s. And then dealing with substance abuse. You see, between her and Forrest, these characters cover all the significant cultural emblems of that time period, all all while having their lives intersect with each other repeatedly. Now, why is this the case? Why is it that two people from the same area, the same time frame, the same situation can end up in such different places? Well, perhaps we can gain some wisdom from this clip.
1: What's the Mom? I'm dying, Forrest. Come on in, sit down over here. Why are you dying, Mama? It's my time. It's just my time. Oh, now, don't you be afraid, sweetheart. Death is just a part of life. Something we're all destined to do. I didn't know it, but I was destined to be your mama. I did the best I could. You did good. Well, I happen to believe you make your own destiny. You have to do the best with what God gave you. What's my destiny, Mom? You're gonna have to figure that out for yourself. Life is a box of chocolates for us. You never know what you're gonna get. Mama. Always had a way to explain a thing so I could understand them. I will miss you, Forrest. She had got the cancer and died on a Tuesday. I bought her a new hat with little flowers on it. And that's all I had to say about that.
0: Mrs. Gump. Indicates that much of life is about destiny. She indicates to some degree we create our own destiny, and to some degree I agree with her. You see, the reason that I say that our choices matter is because your choices will determine your destiny. Your choices will determine. Your destiny. That's exactly what's shown through the differences in the life of Forrest and the life of Jenny. They dealt differently with the different choices that they had, with the different paths that they were on. I have talked to you before about Andy Stanley's book, The Principle of the Path, and this movie illustrates it well. As I recall, he points out two obvious truths about paths. Now, these truths aren't in your notes, so if you want them, you're going to have to write them down. But the first truth is this, the path leads where the path leads. I know, that's pretty profound, isn't it? The path leads where the path leads. If you want to go to Harrisburg and you get on 79 North, you will end up in Erie, not Harrisburg, because the path leads where the path leads. Now, the second truth is equally obvious. Your direction will determine your destination, Your direction will determine your destination. It doesn't matter how convinced you are that 79 North will take you to Harrisburg. Your direction and not your convictions will determine your destination. It doesn't matter how well-intentioned you are. It doesn't matter how much you want that to be true. Your direction and not your intention and not your desires will determine your destination. And this matters in a lot of areas of our life. People end up in certain places in life because of the choices they've made and because of the path that they have chosen. But you know, we don't see this as clearly in our own life as we do in the life of our friends and family. So let's talk about our friends and family for a while, okay? Let's gossip about them for a minute because it's a little less threatening than talking about ourselves. okay? So you have that friend who wants to lose weight, but they keep making choices to eat too much or exercise too little, and their direction determines their destination. You know that family member, the one that's always in a financial mess? You know that one? Know who I'm talking about? And everyone but them can see that they keep putting themselves on the wrong path financially, and the path leads where the path leads. And your friend is single, and they really want a spouse who loves Jesus and honors God with their life, but they keep going to the clubs and the bars and compromising their standards and wondering why their godly future spouse doesn't seem to show up in those bars and clubs. You see, their direction will determine their destination. And these truths are so obvious, but so overlooked. So ask yourself, and maybe ask your friends or family, what paths can they see that you can't see? What paths are you on that your friends and family can see that you can't see? You may not realize it, but you might not need a solution for your problem. You might just need to get on the right path or at least go the right direction on the path because your choices will determine your destiny. Your choices will determine your destiny. Look at what Jesus said about paths in Matthew chapter seven. He said, go in through the narrow gate. The gate to destruction is wide and the road that leads there is easy to follow. A lot of people go through that gate, but the gate to life is very narrow. The road that leads there is so hard to follow and only a few people find it. Now, don't miss what Jesus said here. Jesus says uh, that the popular, easiest path will almost always be the wrong path. The most popular, easiest path to follow, the path that everyone is on, is probably the wrong path if you're trying to follow God, if you're trying to do what God has asked you to do. It is the harder path. It's the one that fewer people are on that will lead you to the life that God desires for us, the life that God designed you for. And so we need to make sure that we're choosing the right path. So if our choices determine our destiny, we need to get on the right path, and to do that, we've gotta make better choices. And to make better choices, there's a couple things you can remember. First, remember, uh, as Forrest's mom was fond of saying, stupid is as stupid does that's the first thing you need to remember if you want to make better choices stupid is as stupid does now i don't think this has anything to do with iq at all it has everything to do with our decisions and the choices we make because really smart people tend to make really stupid choices sometimes Think about that car payment that you never should have had. That house payment that, looking back, you never should have had. Right? Think about that person you dated that you thought you wanted to marry. Aren't you glad you didn't? I just shudder when I think of who I might be married to today. Anybody else? Smart people make really stupid choices sometimes. I can't tell you how many times people have come into my office telling me about a life-altering choice that they have made in their life, and they say something like, I knew it was the wrong decision before I made it. They say, I knew it wasn't what God wanted me to do. They say, I knew better, but I did it anyway. All of us need to evaluate Our actions, the choices that we make, if we took the time to think about what we were planning to do, we might make smarter choices. I mean, if people thought about the pain that cheating on their spouse would cause, the pain it would cause their kids, the pain it would cause their spouse, the embarrassment it would cause them, the pain that it would be in their pocketbook later on, if they thought about it, they might make a different choice. If parents thought through the results 10 years from now of letting their kids skip church events to focus on their hobbies and their sports and so forth, then they might put a higher priority on the eternal. You see, to make better choices, remember, stupid is as stupid does. That's pretty wise advice. Secondly, to make better choices, remember, do your best with what God gave you. Do your best with what God gave you. This was wise advice from Mrs. Gump for all of us. You see, our choices ought to at least consider what God has given to us and what God has planned for us. All of you need to figure out uh, who it is that God has made you to be. You don't have to be Forrest Gump. You don't have to be like your best friend. You don't have to be like me. You don't have to be like your parents, You just have to be you. You have to be you. Do the best with what God gave you. Ask him to help you make choices that are in line with who he created you to be. Now, that was a long first point, but I guess I should say that's all I have to say about that. (laughs) Secondly, When we're dealing with the unexpected, Forrest Gump reminds us our hearts matter. Our heart matters. Proverbs 4, verse 23, is a key verse in Scripture. Here's what it says. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else, because it determines the course of your life. And the passage is so important because our heart and what comes out of our heart determines the course of our life. It determines where we end up. The violence and the hate around us are a reflection of hearts that are filled with hate. The corruption we see around us is a reflection of corrupt hearts. The impurity that we see around us is a reflection of impure hearts. And one of the greatest things about Forrest Gump is his character gives us a picture of what it might look like to live a life of unfiltered, unconditional love. He gives us this picture of what it might look like to live our life as it, with a pure heart. It is a, a pure heart that has love for everybody and is unconditional. And it all of this is reflected in his relationships, especially in his relationship with Jenny. Watch
1: this clip. You can sit here if you want. I had never seen anything so beautiful in my life. She was like an angel. Well, You're going to sit down, on not you? wrong with your legs? I'm nothing at all, thank you. My legs are just fine and dandy. I just sat next to her on that bus and had a conversation all the way Mom, to school. My back's crooked like a question mark. These are gonna make you next to Mama, no one ever talked here. to me or asked me questions. Are you stupid or something? Mama says, stupid is, as stupid as this stupid does. I'm Jenny. I'm Forrest, Forrest, From that day on, we was always together. Jenny and me was like peas and carrots. I never really knew why she came back. But I didn't care. It was like olden times. We was like peas and carrots again. Every day, I'd pick pretty flowers and put them in a room for her. And she gave me the best gift anyone could ever get sure. in the wide world. Just And she even showed me how to dance. And well, we was like family, Jenny and me. And it was the happiest time of my life. Will you marry me? I'd make a good husband, Jenny. You would, Forrest. But you won't marry me. You don't want to marry me. Why don't you love me, Jenny? I'm not a smart man, but I know what love is.
0: He says, I'm not a smart man, but I know what love is. And I think he might have. You see, he knew that love was more than words. It was actions. And that's what we read in Scripture. 1 John three eighteen says, My children, our love should not only be words and talk. No, our love must be real. We must show our love by the things that we do. The character in Forrest Gump constantly showed love for others by what he did for them because of his pure heart. Sometimes that action got him into trouble when he was protecting Jenny or placed him in physical harm when he was rescuing Lieutenant Dan and Bubba. But one of the things that I love about this film is the picture it gives us of how a pure heart of love can impact people around it. How a pure heart of love can make a difference in so many lives. So what if it wasn't just a movie? What if we could do that? How would life be different if we had a pure heart of love for others? What if all of us tried to live a life of unfiltered love, a life that took the risks to love other people with a pure heart? What would that look like? What would a lifestyle of love require? Let me give you a few ideas. I think first it would require getting past my hurts more quickly. We have all been hurt. All of us have experienced hurt. That's part of life. But unlike the character in Forrest Gump, we seem to hold on to those hurts. We seem to get offended Early and often, we get offended about everything. People get offended about really small things, and they let it into friendship and relationship that really meant something to them. And if you're honest, you have allowed a heart of hurt to rob you of years of joy in relationships with family members or friends or sometimes even with an entire church. I think a lifestyle of love requires getting past hurts more quickly. I think it also requires continuing to love people who make mistakes. Continuing to love people who make mistakes. Again, we make so many relationships in our life disposable. A person makes a mistake and we don't ever allow them to get close enough to make that same mistake again. I mean, think about it, one bad meal and you never go back to that restaurant again. I mean, one mistake, and you won't give that business another chance, and that attitude spreads to our friendships, too. I mean, they don't invite you to that party, and so you never socialize with them again. I mean, they say something flippant, something that you thought was rude, something you thought was insensitive, and you don't talk to them anymore. Or they express an opinion that you don't agree with and you block them on social media. Aren't you glad that God doesn't deal with us that way? Aren't you glad that God doesn't do that? I mean, aren't you glad that he doesn't block our prayers just because we've done something sinful and stupid? Aren't you glad he doesn't push us away after we've forgotten to show up for our prayer time a couple of days in a row? Aren't you glad God doesn't deal with us that way? And by the way, we don't treat our kids that way. When our kids make mistakes, when they sin, we continue to love them. We don't push them away, we continue to love them just like God, our Heavenly Father, continues to love us. And the fact that God does that for us and especially the fact that we do that for our kids takes away all of our excuses. It says it is possible for a pure heart of love to exist, for you and me to live our life with a pure heart of love. You see, if I can do that for my kids, I can do that in my relationship with you too. No excuses. I can continue to love you even when you make mistakes just like I do for my kids. You see, all of this reflects the pure heart of love that God wants us to have for each other. He wants us to continue loving people even uh, when they're making mistakes. And I'm not just talking about people who used to make big mistakes, and they learned the error of their ways, and now they're not making those mistakes anymore. That's easy. That's easy. God's church, our church, needs to actively love people who are sinning right now who are disregarding God's word and God's standard for living right now that are still in the midst of making mistakes. We need to love the person who is actively living a lifestyle that God's word calls sinful and destructive. We need to love the person who hates Jesus and hates his people and is actively striving to harm or humiliate Jesus and his followers. We even need to love those judgmental people who are actively pretending that they have their life together uh, enough to be able to use the Bible as a club to beat down other people who uh, they view as less holy than themselves or who they view as on the wrong side of a political argument. Again, impact will continue to be a place of grace built on a foundation of truth. That's who we're going to be. What that means is being a place of grace means that we will love people, we will accept people, we will welcome people, even in the midst of their sin, even if they're doing things that we know are absolutely wrong biblically. We will love and accept and welcome messy people, people who are sinning in ways that we know are harmful to themselves and maybe to others. You see, we love messy people. You know why? We're messy. All of us are messy people. Just maybe messy in a different way. And so we will always be a place of grace, but we will also be built on a foundation of truth. Being built on a foundation of truth means... We will continue to teach the truth. We will continue to challenge people to live by the truth. We aren't going to change what we teach. We aren't going to pretend that sin isn't sin just because we live in a time when people try to justify their sin. You see, we are going to be a place of grace built on a foundation of truth. We have a great example of that because that's exactly what Jesus did. That's exactly what Jesus did. See, a lifestyle of love requires continuing to love people who make mistakes. It also involves helping people in their time of need. This is what the character in Forrest Gump did so many uh, times in so many er different areas of his life. And you know what I'm afraid of? I'm afraid of in our time, with the busyness of our time, with the self-centered focus of our time, we don't even notice the needs of other people around us. We don't notice their hurts. We don't notice their needs. We don't think about helping people in their time of need because we don't even notice that they are in need. Now, we think they should notice our needs. Sometimes we're offended when our friends and family members don't seem to notice our needs. But I'm afraid we're not even noticing needs. As we said, right now, We have people of color uh, crying out because of the injustice and the oppression that they feel is going on. And we have the family of law enforcement officers terrified, terrified when that officer walks out the door of the house because of the real threat that they face today. Instead of debating it, Instead of coming up with cute arguments and cute posts for social media, why don't we think through how we can help during this time of need? How we can show compassion during this time of need? I honestly don't know what to do yet. But we have to do something. We can't allow this hate to continue. And what happens inside my heart matters. It matters. How I respond matters. I want to find a way to live a life from a pure heart of unfiltered love for others. Lastly and quickly, Forrest Gump reminds us that our preparation matters. Our preparation matters. In the clip that we watched as Forrest deals with the death of his mom, She has some wisdom there. Later, he deals with the death of Jenny also, and we grieve with him. But his mom says to him, death is just a part of life. It's something we are all destined to do. She says, it was just her time. Do you know that's a biblical principle? That's a valid biblical principle. In Hebrews chapter 9, it says this, and just as each person is destined to die once... And after that comes judgment. Each of us has an appointed time to die. Unless Jesus comes back uh, during our lifetime, all of us are going to die. All of us will die. Now, the last time I checked, the death rate is still hovering right at 100%. 100% of us are going to die. Now, death often surprises us because it comes at a time that we don't expect But death shouldn't be unexpected. We know someday we will die. And this is one thing that we can prepare for. We can prepare for our death. Look at the rest of the verse from Hebrews chapter 9. I'll start with verse 27 again. And just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment, so also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. When it comes to dealing with our sin, we have just two choices. Each one of us has just two choices. The first choice is we can deal with our sin on our own. We can take care of it ourselves. That's the first choice, and uh, to do that, that means one uh, in that choice for me to deal with my sin, I can either live my life from the time I'm born until the time I die without sinning even once. How many of you have already messed up that option? Okay, all of us, okay. Or if I'm gonna deal with my sin on my own, I can pay the penalty for my sin when I die. I can suffer the consequences of my sin through eternal punishment. So one choice is uh, I can deal with it on my own. The other choice is I can let Jesus deal with it. I can let Jesus pay the price of my sin. As the verse says, he was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of all people who have trusted in him. He has taken away the sin of all of us if we've trusted in him. And our preparation is important. We need to make sure that when Jesus comes again or when it comes to our appointed time to die, that we've trusted the sacrifice of Jesus to save us from our sins. And again, he died once, just once. Your sin only needs to be dealt with one time. Just one time if you have trusted him to save you don't let that little voice in your head convince you that that wasn't good enough that that was too long ago that you've sinned far too much since then and that you need more than that you need to earn your way to heaven and do all of these things because Jesus died once and that one death takes care of your sins past present and future if you've trusted in him if you've trusted in him you are prepared You are in that group of people that is eagerly waiting for him to come back and take you to heaven. But if you aren't sure that you're prepared, please don't leave this property today without talking to somebody. We'll have people up here by the piano with a yellow lanyard on, our first step people. They'd love to pray with you. They'd love to help you. They'd love to talk to you about that. You can talk to one of our leaders, but... Our preparation matters. Your death shouldn't cause you to fear where you will spend eternity. And that's definitely not all I have to say about that. But let me pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, right now I pray for people who aren't sure that if they were to die today that they would spend eternity with you in heaven. Father, please Give them the courage to take their first step to talk to somebody. Father, I pray that you will help us to understand how much our heart matters, how much we need to uh, have a pure heart of love, a heart that reflects you more and more each day. Father, help us to guard our heart Help us to understand how our heart sets our direction. And Father, I pray that you will help us to make choices that are in keeping with who you created us to be. Father, I pray for each person here. Father, I pray that we might be able to join together to have this conspiracy in our community of people who live a life of unfiltered, uh, unconditional love, taking risks, loving people in the midst of their mistakes and their hurts and father we pray that you will use us to accomplish your purpose for it's in jesus name we pray amen